All right, well, hey. Again, my name is Alex, and I'm super excited to be here. Uh, Pastor Alex invited me to come and be a part of this awesome ministry, um, and I was super excited to do it, especially when I heard, so last week, how many of you here were, were here last week? All three, five, four, all four, I was not. But we were talking about purpose, right? Loving loving God, right? With not just one part of ourselves, but with all of ourselves. So it was our what? Heart, Heart our soul, our head, and our hands. So what does hands mean? Does it mean like that we use our hands to give God a back rub? No. It's with our stuff, with the things we do. So this week, I'm super excited about this because I want us to know how to love God with more than just our heart. Because I know it's, it's easy to love from our heart, isn't it? How many of you love your parents? How many of you love your brothers and sisters if you have them? Right? It's easy to feel things. But when it comes to loving God with our... Oh, no. Sorry. There you go. With our head... I think it might seem a little more challenging to us. So the question that we're answering this week is, how can I love the Lord with my head? Because I know, and I'm pretty sure, we all want to love the Lord well. We understand why now we have a purpose, right? It's, we understand the purpose of loving the Lord. But I know for me, when I don't know something, I want to know how. How can I do it? I'm willing to do it, but I want to know how. So we're going to learn today, how can I love the Lord with my head. And uh, that, just wanted to get started by getting our mind in the right frame by going through maybe a little story, story about me. So I want us to get in the mindset of remembering a time that I thought I knew something, but then somebody else pointed out to me that that was not true. And then I realized what was really going on. So, I'll give you a for instance. I drink a lot of coffee, for, mostly because I'm not a morning person. I stay up late, sometimes way later than I should, and I don't like to get up early, but I have three kids who are all under five. And I don't know what's with them. They like to wake up at 5.30. Well, the good news is, when you have kids, that choice is out of your hands. <laughs> they get up at 5.30, which means I have to get up at 5.30. And some days I'll get up and I'll think everything's, I'm like, yeah, I'm tired, but I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing just fine. And then my wife, out of nowhere, she goes, why are you being so grumpy? And I'm thinking, what do you mean? I'm fine. She's like, no, you're being really grumpy. And then all of a sudden, I'll think back on the morning and I'll realize that I got upset when my kids weren't eating their breakfast or I was just grumbling or looking all mad all the time. And then I'll realize, wait a minute, I am grumpy. <laughs> I didn't know it until my wife 
who is somewhere else, pointed it out to me. Which is weird to me because how many of you spend a lot of time with yourself? Yeah. I don't know about you. I spend every minute of every day with myself. And you'd think spending so much time with yourself, you'd know yourself pretty well. And yet, here my wife is outside of myself telling me that I'm being grumpy. And I didn't realize it. So apparently, I don't know much about myself at all. I know what my favorite animal is. Do you? What's your favorite animal? A corgi. A corgi. Uh. Like that? That's not a corgi. That's a cat. I'm pretty sure that they said that that was a corgi when they drew it. That oh. was... So, um, but... My favorite animal is a ring-tailed lemur. <laughs> I thought it was an <laughs> All right. Cool. As much as I love to talk about our favorite animals, that is not the subject at hand. So we'll get it right back in line. But I want you to think, do you have, you, have you ever had someone point out to you something you didn't realize before? Like you thought you knew something. Okay, well, let's see if I can figure out something. How many of you have ever gone go-karting? Driven go-karts. every single year for my brother's birthday, and we're doing it this week. How about mini golf? Oh, I love mini golf. Okay. We do that every time for my brother's we're birthday, too. That, so. <laughs> we're so, think about the first time either that you went mini golfing or that you went go-karting. Now, I also had a first time going go-karting, and I knew, oh, yeah, you turn the wheel, and the car goes, and you push the thing, and the car goes, right? Now, I thought I knew how to drive a car, and I'm sure you went in there thinking, oh, yeah, I'm pretty, I can do this. I can, I can put a ball into a hole. I can drive a car around a track. How many of you ended up crashing? Did you crash? Yeah. I well, that's my dad's fault because he ran into me. Oh, oh, you're blaming it on him. But we run into things, right? You think you know how to do something until you actually do it, and then you realize maybe I don't know as much as I thought I do. Right? So you may not know what it means to have your wife call you grumpy mostly because you guys are 11 years old or 12 years old or 10 years old. But you do know what it's like to think you know something until you realize that you don't. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Because we don't want to talk just about how we can love the Lord with our head. We want to know what it means to love the Lord with our head. So, understanding our head. What do we do with our head? What do you, you think, right? You use it to know things, right? You may know something with your heart because you feel it. But it's a different thing to know something with your head, to know it, right? Because... When we talk about knowledge, we're talking about this, understanding what is true. That means it's a fact, right? You might want to write that one down. Knowledge is no understanding what is true. And that means it's not about opinion or feeling. I feel like I know how to drive a go-kart until I run into the wall and I realize that what's actually true is that I don't know how to drive a go-kart. We'll write that one down. We're going to have a chance to go through that in just a minute. But it's like that, right? I may have an opinion that I know how to do something until the true fact of the matter comes to light, and then I understand what's actually true, and that's what knowledge is. And we want to know things about God, right? We want to know how to love God with our head. We want to understand what's true about that and not just what we feel is true. 
But this is the good thing. This is the good thing is that God, God made us to know him. So if you're ever wondering what it, what it is to know God, know this. God made you to know him. Adam and Eve in the beginning, who did they live with? God. They were with him all the time. They had the opportunity to know him, to talk with him, to walk with him, to ask him questions when they were curious. God made us to know him, which means really important things. That, number one, he is knowable, right? That he made a way for us to understand what is true about him. And number two, that he's not hiding it from you. So if you've ever worried, like, I just don't understand this God thing. I don't understand what it means to love the Lord. You can take encouragement in knowing that he's not hiding that from you. You may not know it yet, but he's not hiding it from you. So we're going to dig into that today and find out how do we know him. So I remember I, uh, it helps a little bit to understand this. How many of you have seen Inside Out? What is Inside Out about? What's the, what's the story of that movie? Memories, okay. What? Um, what's Joy's story in that? She gets lost in the memories. She gets lost in, the mem- in Riley's memories. Mm-hmm. What else do we know about her story? What, what is her story from beginning to end? Like, what is the thing at the end of the movie that we, that we learned about Joy, or that Joy learned? She's She's happy. Yeah. And sometimes memories don't always have to be perfect. Right? She, memories don't have to be perfect. That's a beautiful thing, right? She falls into the dumpster, the memory dumpster, right? And she's holding this memory, and then when she rubs it, it turns sad all of a sudden. She thought it was a happy memory, but then she realized that there was sadness attached to that memory as well. And what she learned is, is that sadness was important, and that meant that all the other disgust and fear and anger were all important too because they made Riley, right? Riley isn't just joy. She's also sadness and anger and fear and disgust and all of those things were important. So at the beginning of the movie, joy always knew what to do, right? We saw that. No matter what would happen, uh, okay, we'll do this. She knew. But as we saw the story, she actually came to know what was actually really true was that sadness was incredibly important and that she was the only one that could actually fix things, right? He was fear? That's good. So how do we begin to know what's true about God? So for that, we're going to turn to our Bibles, right? We don't want to get away from the Bible. We don't want to just wander around because God gave us a way to know him right here. So turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Remember where Ephesians is? Uh, can you read? Sure. Um, But while you're looking for that, I'm going to kind of share a little bit with you about Ephesians Ephesians. chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 15. So this is what we want to know about Ephesians. So if we know Ephesians was written by Paul to the church at a town called Ephesus, which is in Turkey, which is what's today called Turkey. Not the food, the country. Yeah, I know. It's not Thanksgiving there. But so Ephesus was a great church. It was a church that was marked, if you want to know what they were like, they loved the Lord. They loved Jesus. And their love for Jesus increased their love for one another. So they had a lot of faith. They loved God, and they wanted to love others more, and they wanted to know God, and they wanted to know others, how to love others more. 
And so Paul is writing to them about this, to encourage them and to tell them about how they can know God more, how they can love Him and follow Him more. So we, it's a lot like Village Church. Does Village Church love Jesus? Yeah. Do we love others? We love our community? That's right. So, but we're also, we're wanting to increase in our love for the Lord. We want to love Him with our head, our hands, and our heart. Did you have a question, Elliot? No, I wanted to tell you something about Turkey. About Turkey? Yeah. All right, tell me one thing about Turkey, and then we're going to... My mom's cousins, my second cousins, are missionaries in Turkey. That's awesome. That is very cool. Well, <clears throat> so... Paul is writing them a letter basically to encourage them and to teach them in ways that they can learn to love the Lord more. And the first thing he talks about is loving them, loving God with their heads. So how do we begin to know God? So starting in verse 15, if you can read to the middle of verse 18. So there's a comma in the middle sentence of verse 18. So 15 to 18a. Go ahead and read that for us. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of him. In the knowledge of him. He said in the middle of verse 18, so I didn't know. Yes. <laughs> um, how about to the end of that? Having eye, the eyes. Okay. Having the eyes of your All right, so, some first, so we're going to unpack that. It's a lot. It's a long passage we're reading today, but we want to unpack it and understand what Paul is essentially saying. So he's praying for them, and he is also teaching them while he's praying for them. So a couple of things to notice in there. Number one, Paul points out this, that knowledge is not earned. So write this down. Knowledge is not earned, but it is given. Knowledge isn't earned by you, but it's given to you. So, that asks a question, right? Who, who's giving? Who's giving us knowledge? Who knows? God, okay. Can we get a little bit more specific? Who has God given to us to be our teacher? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, that's exactly right. When Jesus left, he said, it's good that I'm going away because when I leave, I'm sending the Holy Spirit back. And he'll dwell in your hearts and he'll teach you. He'll be your comforter. He'll be your equipper, the one who gives you power for ministry, right? To do what God wants you to do. So what it has to say to us about knowledge is this, is that when we want to know about God, we cannot know about God by ourselves. Our knowledge is is broken but God's on our side so he gives us the Holy Spirit to teach us so getting into more of the not right knowledge it goes hand in hand with school right how do you feel when you understand something that you didn't understand before say at school you are about to have a math test 
What, what did you learn in math this year? What was the big thing you learned in math this year? Was it long division? Was um, it algebra? It was mostly fractions? Okay, well, let's take us back to a place. How many of you know long division now? Okay. Do you remember what it was like when you were learning long division? You're like, uh... Actually, it was pretty easy. It was pretty easy for you to learn? Okay. So, how did it feel, though, when you knew a test was coming up and you understood how to do long division? Happy? How else did it make you feel? It doesn't have to be long division. It can be anything you didn't know before, but now you know it because you got a test coming up. It was up. exciting because you knew like, you would do better on the test. It was exciting? Did you feel confident? Yeah. Right? So when we learn things, it gives us excitement. It gives us happiness. It gives us confidence. I don't know if for you, for me, it gave me relief, right? When I didn't know, I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't have a test. And all of a sudden, it clicks. And now I know, like, yes. Oh, I'm going to do well on this test. Is relief there. Well, it's the same thing with knowledge about God. When we ask this question, how do we love God with our head? The answer is this. When we understand God's promises and his power, it increases our love for him. So we understand two things. We understand God's promises and we understand what's true about God's power. Those two things increase our love for God and that's how we love God with our heads. And Paul was so into this because if you know Paul, Paul was like the smartest dude in the world at that time. He goes on about it. He says, if anybody knows anything, I know more. He was such a Pharisee. And we know Pharisees doesn't just mean nasty, mean person, but it also means incredibly smart Bible person. The Pharisees used to tie parts of the Bible to their forehead, not to remember to read it, but to show off how much of it they had memorized. Really? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. So they took the part of the Bible where God says to tie it as frontlets on your hand and bind it to your wrists, right? To love the Lord your God and meditate on these things. They took it so seriously that they would actually tie parts of the Bible to their bodies. But it got to the point where they were so proud of themselves for memorizing it that they would show off how big their parts of the Bible that they had memorized. Paul probably had the entire Bible, the Old Testament, memorized before he met Jesus. But when we find Paul later on in this, he talks about it like this. I count it. He thought that that was like a turd in the toilet compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. He thought that knowing Jesus was worth more than having the entire Bible memorized or being the best person in the world and knowing every right thing to do. And he's telling them this. Knowing God is more important than knowing anything else. And he knows that the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us that knowledge, and he wants them to stay with him. But this is the second part of this. So we know that the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us knowledge, but Paul also points out that that's for a purpose. We're learning, right? Everything is, has purpose. Even knowledge has a purpose. So what's the second red part, it says? What's the purpose of our knowledge? Right there. Cora, do you want to read that? The second red part. That you may know what it is 
That's right. That you may know what is the hope that he has called you, to which he has called you. Our knowledge has a purpose to understand God's promises and his power because we'll grow in our love and faith in him. Why? Because when we understand God's promises and his power, it gives us hope. Hope is the purpose of our knowledge and hope is the thing that we think about when we're worshiping God with our heads. So, what is the hope to which we have been called to? That's the next question we have, right? What's the hope that we've been called to? Well, we, get, we learn this in 18b all the way to the end of 23. And I'll go ahead and read this because it's incredibly long. Even I will probably stumble over it. But don't worry, we're going to break it apart. So what is the hope we've been called to? It's this. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us to believe? According to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him, that's Jesus, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. So that's a lot, right? But don't worry, we're going to break it apart. That's why I highlighted some things. We have hope because of God's promises to us and because of his power. So, God's promises. That's the riches of his glorious inheritance part. God gives us an inheritance. We're going to talk about that later. But this means that God has promised something to us. What's an inheritance? Do anybody know what an inheritance is? Um, like you inherit something. Like yes. you like get something. You get something when? Like here on earth, what does that mean? You've got a great 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 grandpa like, and he's super old and he's got stuff. You like get his stuff like That's right. When when like, what happens? After he like dies. After he like dies. Like yeah, like money, like property, like keepsakes, like special things. An inheritance is something that you are not getting now, but is promised to you at a point in time in the future. So we know when we trust in Jesus, are we going to die? No. Like really? Well, no. Even yeah. at the end, even when our body passes away, we will be with the Lord. And eventually Jesus is coming back and we will be resurrected just like him. And we'll spend eternity with him. So really, death is not the end for us. And death is not our ultimate future. But we will have an inheritance. Jesus says, what? I'm going away to my father's house. In my father's house, there are many, what? Rooms. Rooms. And he's going there to do what? To create a place for us. To get it ready. Which means we don't have it now, but we're going to have it at some point. So God is a God who makes promises. And we know this because we see it. All throughout the Bible, he makes promises. Here's a test. Noah. What was God's promise to Noah? You should know. Your dad's been preaching about it for a while now. Um, after the flood or before? Either one. Okay. Or both. That he, God would never send a flood again. Right. If a rain 
Right. So not just a flood, because we do get floods from time to time, but what kind of flood? Um, water. Well, I mean, like... Was it a tiny flood? Yeah. I mean, like, I thought you meant, like, what we have. Basically, he promised never to wipe everything off the face of the earth again, and he sealed it with a rainbow. Now, did he keep that promise? Yes. Right. Do we still have floods nowadays? Yes. Yeah, but has the entire world been flooded all at once? No. Has everybody died in a flood? No. No. So, God kept that promise. Okay, how about Abraham? Does anybody know what God promised Abraham? He'll make him a great nation. And how many peoples of the earth will be blessed by him? The whole world, right? That he would have descendants that outnumbered the sand by the sea and the stars in the sky. Well, let me ask you this. Are we blessed because of Abraham? No. Really? Yeah. Who do we get because of Abraham? We got Moses. Yeah. Was Moses a blessing to us? Yeah. Mm. Did we get Jesus from Abraham? Yeah. Is the whole world blessed because of Jesus? Yes. Yeah, I would say so. So I would say that God kept that promise. He made Abraham, the old man, into the entire nation of Israel is Israel still a country today? Yeah. yeah. I would say he kept that promise. How about David? What did he promise to David? If you follow my commands, then I will not depart. I will not let any of I will keep your descendants on the I'll keep your right. So he gave him a throne and he promised that it wouldn't just be his throne, but his descendants after him. Mm-hmm. And even when he sinned against him and David repented, he, he said, I'll never, you'll have a king on the throne. Is David's descendant on the throne today? Yes. Mm. Well, yes. Who is David's descendant? Jesus. Jesus. Is Jesus the king? Yes. Is Jesus on the throne right now? Yes. Did, yeah. did God keep that promise to David? Yes. Mm-hmm. Probably not in the way that David or really he's thought. Maybe not on the throne. He's probably like playing with his children. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you don't have to sit on a throne to be on the throne. They basically, it's saying, are you the king, right? The king is the guy who's on the throne. He's on the throne whether he's sitting on the throne or not. Yeah. Jesus is, is on the throne. He is the king. He is the descendant of David. That means, did God keep that promise? Yes. Okay, so we've got a track record now, right? So God kept his promise to Noah. He kept his promise to Abraham. He kept his promise to Moses. He kept his promise to David. So... When we think about that, does that mean that if God makes a promise to us that he's going to prepare a room for us and that he's coming back again? Yes. Has he, done, has he kept that promise yet? No. Not yet. No. But we know that he kept all those promises to those other people. So is his promise trustworthy? Yes. Mm-hmm. He, he kept my promise. When yeah. I was, um, my grandma's dog was gone. I played for her until I was like, like, so like, what, I played for her to live like one more, like, month or so, so we mm. were like, she was like, I actually like, yeah, be with her for like one more month, and mm-hmm. then she lived for like one, one more month, and my mom came in the office, she was like, that like died in a few days, and I was like in my bed, and I stayed with her, and then she
God kept a promise to you. He's made promises to us. What are some of the promises that he's made to us? What's a promise that, God, that Jesus, we have in Jesus? That he won't send floods. That he what? That he won't send a flood. Well, that's true. I'm talking about Jesus, though. When Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, what promises do we have in Jesus when we trust in Jesus? What's a big one? He'll save us. We're saved, right? Yeah. Salvation. How about that inheritance part? What do we have? What does that mean? Is it, he'll come back, and what are we going to, when, how long are we going to be with him? Forever. That's called what? Eternity. Eternity, right? We have eternal life. We have salvation, forgiveness for our sins. And we'll live on that earth. Well, understanding, understanding God's promises, not only the promises that he's kept, but the promises that he's made to us, shows us what kind of God he is. And that's going to help us increase. So we want to know how to love God with our head. How do we grow in our love for God with our minds? It's about thinking about his promises. Not only the good promises that he's kept, but on the promises that he's going to keep to us in the future. But it's not only that. It's understanding his power, right? So we see all these other red parts in here. Because it's no good if a guy makes a promise, but he can't keep it, right? We know that God has the power to keep his promises. How do we know that? He gave us a guarantee. He worked it in his great might when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand. He brought a guy who is dead back to life. I can't do that. I only know one guy that can. Me too. He seated him at his right hand. I only know one guy that's ever sat at the right hand of, Jesus, of God the Father, and that's Jesus Christ. He's above all rule and all authority and all power and all dominion and above every name that is to be named. That means that if there is something that's cool, Jesus is better. Wait. If there's something that's powerful, Jesus is more powerful. If there's something that is, has authority and boundaries, this country we live in is the most powerful country in the world. It is? Jesus is more powerful. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, now you do. <laughs> so, but Jesus is better. So that tells me one thing. If God says he can do something, he can do it. And if he promises us eternity, salvation, forgiveness of our sins, that trusting in him, I'm going to trust him for that. And that makes me love him more. When I think about his promises and his power. Oh, no. Please don't do that. Ugh. It's all right. Um, so let's, let's, let's ask the question, how are we going to grow? How are we going to grow in our knowledge? How are we going to grow in our knowledge? Let's get, it, let's get our minds in the imagination zone again. It's summer, but something's coming up in a couple months, in the fall. What are we doing, going to do? School. Go back to school. Ah. All right. So imagine, the week before school, you get a letter in the mail from your teacher. You open it up. Hey, just wanted to let you know, super excited for school this year, but we're going to try something new. Instead of teaching you all year, I'm just going to give you one test to see what you know, at the beginning of the year, and if you pass that test, you don't got to come to school for the rest of the year. How exciting is that? Very exciting, right? One test, you get that test done, the rest of the year you can spend jumping off of bridges, 
playing video games, doing whatever it is that your heart desires to do. So you're excited. I'm excited. That sounds amazing. I show up for the first day to pass this test and then take the rest of the year off. Well, then you got to be there at school for the rest of the year. Then you're going to be the only one in school. But here we go. So, you show up at school. Teacher pops a test down on your desk, and you open it up. Theories of advanced calculus and astrophysics. All right, take this test. You've got two years, or you've got two hours to finish this test. Go. How are you going to do? You're going to do terrible. Why are you going to do terrible? Because I have no idea what that stuff is. You have no idea what astrophysics and advanced calculus is? Nope. I do. It's um, advanced calculus. It's a lot about math. It's, it's really math. Good. I know it's math. They're really good. I know astrophysics is science, right? No. It's also math? Well, it's like science. Stars and stuff. Hmm. That means astronomy. Okay. astronomy is science. Why are you not going to do well on this test? So you lack something. You don't have something that you need to pass that test. What do you not have? A study guide. Yes, a study guide? Well, why would you need a study guide? You don't know it already? Yeah, I have no right? idea what that is. You know you have no knowledge of what advanced calculus is. <gasps> wait, wait, what? I didn't get you. you didn't get taught. Well, that sounds a lot like what we were talking about before, right? Knowledge isn't something that you just have, right? You ha have to be given knowledge. So, in order to grow in knowledge, you have to have a knowledge giver. Who's our knowledge giver? Yeah. That's right. And our teachers. And he gives you the knowledge by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit dwells in us, and he reveals to us everything we need to know about God. We don't have the skill to do advanced calculus and astrophysics. We don't have the knowledge of how to do it because we haven't been taught. And we can't do well on a test if we don't know anything about the subject. So, we can't love the Lord with our head if we don't know much about Him. But here's the good news. How many of y'all like good news? Good. The good news is, God's on your side. God is knowable. He makes Himself knowable. And He reveals Himself to us. He's given us a teacher. The teacher is the Holy Spirit. And He gave us a textbook. To learn. The study guide, right? Sure. What's our study guide? The Bible. The Bible. Why is the Bible our study guide? What is it? Because it has everything in it. It's God's word. It's word, right? Who wrote it? God. Actually. He wrote it through men, right? He revealed it to their hearts just the same way in which he reveals the truth about himself to you when you read it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, we know we have a hope, a glorious inheritance, eternity, salvation, forgiveness of sins. Because God wrote about it in his word. And he revealed that to us. He revealed that to you. So as we head into the end here, this is what we need to know. Number one, our knowledge by itself is broken. It's not right. It's not good. So often we base things, we say things are true based on how we feel or our opinion of them. 
For instance, my daughter, she's five. She doesn't take naps. And sometimes at the end of the day, she's very cranky. So I tell her, hey, it's time to go to bed. You're very tired. She says, I am not tired. Is that a fact or is that her opinion? That's a fact. That's her opinion. She feels like she's not tired. And that's her opinion. So it must be true. But I can see that she's very cranky. She's rubbing her eyes and she can't handle anything. I know for a fact that she's tired and she needs to go to bed because this is the way that God sees it towards you. You think you know something, but he knows what it actually is. So it's not, we know that knowledge is based on what's true, not what we feel. And by ourselves, our knowledge is broken and we can't know things about God unless he reveals them to us. So maybe think we're going to think about things that we, we're going to talk about that. But the good news is that God's on our side. He made a way for us to know him. When we trust in Jesus and pray to him, we know that the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts because that's what God promised to us. And when we read God's word, the Holy Spirit reveals to us what's true about God, about his promises and about his power. And when we understand God's promises and His power, it increases our what? Knowledge. Knowledge of and our love for Him. We want to love the Lord with our head. That means we need to know certain things. When we know and understand about His power and His promises, we grow in love for Him. So, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will understand more and more about who God is and what He's done. And when you do, you'll grow in love for him. I guarantee it. Because when I think about all that God has done for me, all that he's going to do for me, I can't help but love him more. So we're going to, let's pray and then we'll talk real quick with questions and things like that. So God, thank you that you're not hidden from us. Thank you that you're not like a piece of cheese at, an end of an, at a, the end of a maze that we have to find our way to. We thank you that you're here right now and that when we trust in Jesus and what he's done for us, you reveal the truth about yourself in your word. You reveal the truth about yourself in the rocks and in the trees that they cry out how awesome you are. We're thankful that while this knowledge is hidden from the minds, uh, our minds in sin, that Jesus, you've made a way that we can know you Thank you for dying on the cross and coming back from the dead and going to heaven and ruling and reigning and preparing a place for us for when you come back. God, help us to increase in our love for you. Help us to know this week your promises to us and the assurance that you are able to do all of it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.